Oh, the record button's going? Record button is officially going. All right. Well, that means it's time, everybody, for the Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast. This is Chris Baca and Jared Truby, and we are on the phone with TV's own Trevor Corlett. Now, Trevor, I was thinking about this intro for you, and I don't really know what to say because, you know, your accomplishment list is long and distinguished. So Trevor is a co-founder and owner of Madcap Coffee. He's, I mean, you've been the chair of the Barista Guild of America. You've won regional competitions. You're a multiple finalist in the U.S. Barista Championship. Used to have a tongue piercing. Like, is there anything that you didn't do? I don't know, but... Welcome to the podcast, Trevor. I'm stoked that you're here. Thanks, friends. We uh, talked about having you on for a long time. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know, well, you guys are you guys are busy. You guys are changing the world over there. So, you know, props to you for taking the time to to rap with people and hang out and share some love. So, well, we love you, and we always Thanks. have. So, I mean, it's it's that East Coast West Coast thing coming together. Although you're not a, oh, you're coasting actually. You're in Washington D.C., aren't you? I am. I am. I've I've moved on from the Midwest, sort of. I, I'll I'll always have one foot in, obviously, but yeah, I'm calling calling DC home right now. Nice. So yeah, Madcap is an amazing coffee uh, company for all y'all who don't know, and they have a place in what Grand Rapids, Michigan. Is that true? Grand Rapids, Michigan. And correct. Also Washington DC. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a I've got a nice little office set up here that I share with Mr. Colin Whitcomb. Oh, the beautiful and everly distinguished Colin Whitcomb. What a guy. (laughs) (laughs) Keeping me honest, making me look bad with his, you know, what he's on the Sprudge uh, best dressed at SEA this year. He makes a lot of people look bad. You know, (laughs) you shouldn't take it to heart. He made me look bad, too. (laughs) Yeah. I hear that clicking. Is that clicking again? Keep that mic off your shirt, Trev. Sorry, sorry. I got a little excited. Got a little it's excited. okay. Trev, when we let's, first started talking set... to you, wait, he said something's going on. They're going to close down their shop or something crazy's happening. Just tell me what's yeah. happening really quick before we jump into weirdness. Okay, sure. Um, yeah, so we, uh, you know, we opened. So Madcap's Cafe opened in January of 2009. And for the most part, while we had some, you know, we've made we've made a few improvements here or there with like replacing some furniture and little things, swapping out an espresso machine a couple of years ago and stuff like that. But um, we have our floor after almost like eight years of being in business is in a pretty bad state of repair, and uh, so we've decided to uh, we had to we had to repair replace replace the floor and. I've been really wanting for a long time to, you know, and you guys have experienced this in all the different cafes you've worked in, I'm sure. But like after working on something for so long behind a bar so long and, you know, the the bar I created there was kind of a fruition of years of experience already. And so it was a big bar with lots more space than really was needed behind the bar for the baristas and stuff. And so we decided to take this opportunity of replacing the floor to just rip the whole bar out and put a new bar in and just try to make it more uh more guest friendly uh you know create better workflow create better bar flow get some more bar seats in there uh and just kind of fix all the things that i've wanted to fix about the flow for a long time and and uh you know just trying to put the customers uh you know 
first even more we didn't put the customers first when we first opened i don't even know why i'm saying that um <laughs> but you know that was a long that was a long time ago we've we've learned um but yeah so we're we're ripping the bar out and putting a new bar in and new flooring and making a bunch of changes so we're both scared and stoked at the same time so we've got we're doing a pop-up in front of the cafe for a week and also in a comic book store that's across the street from our cafe so customers can still get some coffee um, while we're making things happen. So that's happening uh, the week of June 12th here. So that's that's pretty uh, coming up pretty fast, pretty scary. What do you think you get aside from the customers having more space? So your bar size is decreasing. What do you think you get on the barista side from that? Because Jared and I kind of are fans of having the you know the smallest space that you can kind of pull off minimal mm-hmm. motion behind the yeah. bar but I, some people have the opposite view or they want like the hugest bar ever right um yeah that used to I'm, used to be my mentality and i mean you know our bar right now like you could we could cram probably 10 baristas back there man and, and still have some elbow room it's kind of stupid but um you know the idea was i had worked in so i mean every bar i had worked in up until that point was like i mean they were all poorly designed which was part of the problem too but the space was so small and you're always bumping shoulders and you had to you know some you know ice was three steps away like nothing was well thought out and so um so i overcompensated when i built this bar eight years ago and so now you know having eight years of experience not just in our own cafe but other people's cafes through various experiences um the idea is to hopefully create just the right amount of space um, with the idea that no matter what your position is or role is behind the bar, that you shouldn't have to take a step even. So um, we're, we've poured over the design a insane amount with the idea that we want everything, you know, so if you're, you know, if, if you're double barring it and you're the shot puller, we want to make sure that you have everything within reach so that, you know, you don't even have to take a step to execute everything that you're expected to do. Um, and that, so that goes for every person on the bar. So, um, so I don't, I wouldn't say that we're, we're not necessarily taking away space from the barista. We're just making the space that we're giving them more efficient while at the same time, um, cause the, the bar itself, we're actually adding, adding more bar. So, um, I think you know, right now we have three bar seats for guests at one end where the espresso machine is. And I think by the time we're done, we're going to have hopefully about seven or eight seats for guests um, at one end of the bar. Um, and, you know, we're just trying to create better flow altogether, knowing how much business we have, how to move a line quicker just by creating better efficiency all around and making the, the guest experience more enjoyable, obviously. So I like it. So what you're saying is the age-old tale is true. Size does not matter. It's, yeah, you know, quality before quantity, man. It's all about effectiveness at this point. (laughs) Right. How do you use it? Uh, (laughs) Oh, my God. We're talking about bar space, Chris. What's the bar space? Yeah, yeah, bar space. I agree with him. The the more effective and planned out your space is uh, and the less movement possible to get the job done, the better. Take That's it from Jared. He's got two kids. He's yeah. <laughs> Trevor's got three. He gets Trevor's it. got three. Boom. Well, 
What? Um, um, dude, yeah. I have so many questions for you. What is Madcap all about? So when I think of you guys, I know it's a, it's a broad question. Okay, let me tell you what I think about when I think about Madcap. I think of colorful bags, a lightning bolt, and really consistently awesome coffee. Like, seriously, no bullshit. Your guys' coffee, for me, has been, out of a lot of the specialty coffee I drink, it's pretty much always good. And it's like, it's always been like that. Like, where does the roasting experience come from? You know, what are you... What, how do you know how to roast coffee like that? What is your problem? Um, well, I don't roast, so that's why it's so good. Um, oh. <laughs> now, <laughs> Wise man um, say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but you guys could probably relate to this. I mean, there was there was a time um, when I tried to do everything. Click it or I ticket, probably... Trevor. Click it or ticket. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I love <ticket>. you. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I, d- I did everything and I did nothing well, probably. And so, uh, you know, uh, partnering partnering with Ryan Knapp was one of the best things I ever did. Um, and, you know, when you talk about our coffee being as good as it is, is because that dude just has the ability to find amazing coffee, amazing coffee producers. Um, and so, yeah, he, like, never fails, dude. It's, it's uh, you know, it's hard. I'm excited constantly about the coffees that we have um, rolling in because the dude is just finding amazing coffee. And then it's just, you know, so that's just one small instance of like surrounding yourself with great people. And we just have uh, an awesome roasting team and it just, you know, it's it's growing slowly into, you know, just having people that are just committed to what Madcap is about and, uh, you know, trying to do it justice. And everybody's excited to uh, to be on board and, and taste great coffee. And we're just, you know, we've. Uh, I think, you know, I don't know if you guys know, we moved into a new um, roasting facility just almost exactly a year ago, um, back in April and uh, 2015. And so we, we moved into a 8,000 square foot space that really allowed us to like do quality control at a level that we never did before. And, um, you know, we have a team that we've built around that. Like, I mean, we, we're, we finally got to the point probably eight or nine months ago, shortly after we moved into that new space where we're, we cup every batch of coffee we roast, man. Um, every batch of coffee we cup is, is, uh, or every batch of coffee we roast is cupped and, and scored and, and noted and put in a cropster. And, you know, if, if you, if you taste a batch of our coffee, and you ask us questions about it, we got all kinds of info for you about that coffee, about that batch. Um, and so that's just, that's helped us. And, you know, as you know, you, you say it's, you know, you think of Madcap as always being good. And, and I just, I think about the coffee that we were first, first putting out when we first got started and even in the first year or two. And, and like, it's just, I mean, you know, as a roaster, as a barista, as anything else, you know, you just, if you're open to growing, you're just constantly growing and improving. I just feel like every year we're just striving to do better and better. Um, and so that's what we're all about, man. We're just about learning and, and doing better and having a good time and sharing coffees that we love with people. So, Do you tell your wholesale clients or whoever buys your coffee in general about um, the whole cupping every single roast, batch roasted and do you have do you have information for them if they if they you know hit you you said you have a lot so do you have people actually yeah. responding and being like this tasted like this why or you know how's that how's that work what's that response um, like 
we're probably actually we're probably not proactive enough about it, letting people know that we do that. And so usually it only happens if people are asking us about a certain batch, because um, you know, like one of the things, all our, you know, like a lot of roasters, uh, I assume, I guess I, I should make the assumption, but we put batch numbers on all our bags, and the purpose of that is for just doing tracking and quality control and stuff. So, um, you know, because I don't know if a roaster is being honest, like no batch is the same from batch to batch. It's not really possible. Uh, it's not going to be identical, you know? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, obviously we feel like from batch one to batch two to batch 10, like there's all, our roasters are always improving based on, you know, cupping it and how the coffee's changing and the density and the, and the moisture and, and everything else. And so, um, you know, so we use that when customers are like, Hey, you know, this coffee has changed and we can go back and look at it. Um, and it just informs us too, in terms of like how we're playing around with it in the lab and, and how we're brewing it and how we like it, um, and stuff. So it's definitely been a, I mean, it's been huge in, in the sense of just, you know, giving you confidence when you're talking to a customer because you have just so much information about your coffee and, and what's happening with it. Uh, and just watching and every, everything, you know, it's just like being a barista. Like if you're pulling shots and you're keeping a log, like, you know, within a week of like logging all the shots you're pulling when you dial in and stuff, like you can see patterns really easy and mm -hmm. you can understand why you don't have to use all these crazy tools for every shot because inevitably patterns like pop up and, and that's, you know, so it's the same with roasting. Like we see patterns and, and, and coffee's responding the same way due to certain variables being the same and stuff like that. Like that. Like I think that's really awesome. Boom. I um, it's also, I think, awesome that you're you're logging your information. I, I was at the Stump the Roaster, um, event in the Bay Area the other day in Berkeley, and I was really excited to ask the question about whether or not people use. Uh, there was a panel of six uh, awesome ladies, and I really wanted to know how many of them use software and if you know why or why not. And un unfortunately, only one of them answered before they moved on. But she answered mm. no. She doesn't use software, and she had some her reasons. But I really was interested to know more of like w why people use software or why they wouldn't. And I I'm like an advocate for software, for not only the reasons you just spoke of, but the ability to see consistency and track trends and man and really see what happened in roast to be able to make uh, you know good decisions in the future. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So anyway, that's, I think that's awesome. And I think, well, if the, if your wholesale accounts don't know and they listen to this, bro, they know now you're going to get some questions. <laughs> Word up. Direct your questions to the roasting team, please. <laughs> you heard it from TV's Trevor Corlett. The no software thing is really interesting because there's some people who would argue against using software because they feel like they want to have this intimate human connection and the software takes away from that. But mm. in my mind, I feel like it's really hard to argue with just having more information, you know, use the right. software to the level that you desire. But if you don't log anything, don't track anything, you're never going to know, you know I mean? Like, Oh you yeah. It's there's no, there's no frame of reference. So it's just, yeah. I, I wish people would get out of the mindset that like using software means all you're doing is looking at a computer screen and like looking at the line. But right. Yeah. No, it's it's totally all about balance and and I don't know. I, I correlate this to like every segment of our industry. It's like, you know, I don't know. I relate, you know, you guys talk a lot about just doing it old school and, and like 
you know, I'm, I've, I'm, I'm part of, I'm part of that generation too, where it's like, man, I, you know, if, if it's just me and, and I don't have, uh, you know, staff around me holding me accountable, like I, I, I I'm going to rock with no scales or anything, you know, I just, I just want to pull it till it looks good and tastes good, you know? Um, but at the same time too, I, I, I understand and appreciate the value when you're talking about working with a group of people and trying to achieve consistency at a certain level, consistently great um, things. And, and, and there's just huge value to having a balance of, of that information. And we're not a limit. I mean, the, you can't roast good coffee without understanding the art of roasting good coffee, you know, or, or brewing good coffee. Um, but, you know, you're just so much more, I mean, there's just so much more wisdom and having science and, and, and um, you know, information that, that supports the art that's behind it too, you know, and, and it definitely helps and direct us, but, you know, and if nothing else, like uh, I was joking uh, actually at, at, um, at USBC this year, uh, my roaster had, I had, he had sent me three roast profiles of the coffee I was using and he had taped the, um, the, the printouts uh, from the rose profiles from Cropster to the bags of my coffee with the, with, with the graph and everything on there. And so, um, which I thought was, it was a little bit more than I, I needed, but that's cool. Um, but, uh, I thought it would be funny to try and, you know, I'm like, man, this is, this is good intimidation material. And so I was actually sharing a practice time with Sam Luantin at Countercultures Lab and, and was, uh, you know, asking him, if he wanted to compare rose profiles, oh, but you don't ha- you don't have any. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, but it didn't work obviously because he finished higher than me. So you whatever. Sam Lewontin, he was a guest on the show. I don't know if you listen. What a great guy. <laughs> what a great guy. I love that guy. That's the best move ever. Oh, you don't have any? Wow. I bet you'll probably be fine. You'll probably be That's fine. That's cool. Some someday. Someday you'll have some Sam. He's going to show up next year with profiles and like some kind of 3D digital projection of like, I don't know. He's going to make the judges Great slide down time. the profile slide. Does <laughs> that feel how it feels? That's quality. That's what quality feels like. Boom. That's Trevor, the same one. Right I got to yeah. ask you because, okay, you're involved, like Chris said, in a million things and you have been involved in a million things. What, what gets Trevor out of bed and psyched to be in coffee? Like what... You know, like when you get up in the morning, you got to have goals and aspirations or else, you know, work and life becomes kind of boring. I know this is an effed up question. So what, yeah. when you get up in the morning, like, what do you get excited about? Uh, stress. I like, I like stress. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, I don't know. It's kind of true. Like, uh, you know, I'm a glutton for punishment a little bit in the sense of like, you know, being a business owner is tough as you guys are experiencing it's uh you know it's it's a whole new set of whatever um but it's challenging there's new challenges every day um and uh you know barista competition is all about stress uh yeah i don't know it's 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 but it's more than that it's uh you know i've you know we have it seems like we're all we always have something going on at madcap and we're always trying to i don't know just improve ourselves and and be involved in more and, and, you know, what, what can we do better? Um, what can we, you know, how can we create a better experience for people that are, um, 
enjoying our coffee in whatever capacity that is. Uh, and so we're, we're, you know, that, that kind of stuff gets me excited. And, um, and, and, you know, so we have, it seems like we always have a million projects going on. And, and then as far as the barista guild stuff and the SCA stuff goes, it's, it's, you know, that has that, you know, for me, that was when, you know, when I first got started in coffee, um, uh, you guys may or may not remember this. I was actually, I, I owned a little shop in Illinois, south of Chicago, and I really had no access. Like Chicago is just a little bit too far to really like go check out Intelligentsia all the time. And, and this was still pretty early on. And so my experience with specialty coffee is pretty limited. And so, um, you know, getting involved in Barista Guild, which at the time pretty much just meant that I was logging onto a forum where people were talking about stuff and 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 trying to get somebody to give me an invitation to coffee so I could see what was going on in there. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, and, and then going to SCAA and volunteering and stuff like that was that was how I learned. Man, was by by volunteering and and so I've always kind of felt like I owed. Um, you know, SCA and BGA for kind of like the opportunity to, to learn um, and kind of give back to the community in a sense. And, and so uh, that's kind of been my interest there in being involved is, is like outside of MADCAP and what we're doing. Like there's just so many people that, that want to get involved in coffee and enjoy coffee, that enjoy that experience and, and enjoy kind of the culture that surrounds it. And so um, you know, that, that's kind of what has always motivated me to be involved in that stuff. Um, <clears throat> and so it gets to be a little bit much at times and you get to be spread a little thin and, and, uh, you know, my kids make sure that, uh, that I, that I get up early in the morning and, uh, you know, uh, thankfully I have a, a wonderful wife that does a good job of keeping me accountable for the most part. So, uh, I got plenty, I got plenty that keeps me getting out of bed in the morning. <laughs> nice. Your wife's rad, dude. I love how you guys show up places and you just dance party like straight away. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's getting it's into called it. A, it's called a release, man. <laughs> I, I love it. How yeah. balancing that stuff is tricky. Do you have like a really really tight schedule? Because I know when I was involved in the EC and the BGA, like I just couldn't do all the work. And I told Marcus, who was like running the whole thing at the time, I was like, dude, I don't know if I can handle this. And I didn't definitely did not own a company at that time i was just a barista guy you know training is it mm -hmm. yeah so you have like an assistant or something i, I know dwight schrute no. dwight schrute dwight schrute oh, to man, the regional I, manager i could use a dwight schrute um false just a, no uh, <laughs> no i don't know man like i i just again like i i i feel like you know inevitably i'm not giving 100 percent at something and and definitely like, you know, I don't, I I've been in coffee and, you know, I had, had, you know, running my own business and pursuing running my own business for 16 years now. And like, um, I don't know, there, there's definitely been lots of times where, you know, being, being a husband is, has, has, I, I've not done a good job of that. Being a father, I've not done a good job of that. Being a good boss, I've not, there's been plenty of times probably you know, right now, uh, no, but the, you know, not a good EC member. Like, you know, it's, it's a, it's a really hard balance and, and, um, you know, definitely would call it overachieving at the same time. But, 
Um, I don't know. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it. Like, uh, you know, all of those things have taught me, you know, I've learned a lot from all of those things. Like, um, being a father is, is super humbling and, um, that more than anything right now, uh, has, 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 maybe it's just cause as my kids get older too, I can relate more and more to them as a father. Like, um, like I'm enjoying fatherhood more and more as my kids get older and get involved in different stuff and, you know, being able to have like serious conversations with them as opposed to, you know, just being spit up on and, and wiping butts and all that kind of stuff. Yep. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's 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 a really hard it's a really hard balance, but all those things are rewarding too. So, uh, self selfishly, I want to be involved in all of them. <laughs> you know. So you, you love a challenge. <laughs> I that's, do. That's pretty much what it is. At the end of the day, you want to succeed and grow. And I think that all the best uh, people in the world, honestly, they love they love challenges, but they also love personal growth. And I think you're seeking a lot of avenues to do so. So that's tight for sure. Yeah. I mean, why else would I compete nine years in a row and never win? You know, that's man. I want to, I want to ask you about that. What, what you started, what, like 2008, 2008. Yeah. And you, have you even taken a year off? I, I have not taken a year off. That's next level stuff. Why, <laughs> what, what are the drivers? Obviously there's, you know, maybe there's that driver of, okay, I haven't won the USBC yet. So that's something that's driving me, but I, I feel like it, Unless I'm wrong, it has to be more than that because there's something that's got to be like a little extra fire because the work is hard, you know. Yeah. A lot of work. Yeah. Um, Are you yeah, sizzling but... a? T- oh, there it went. Whatever was yeah. happening, that sounded like you were frying an egg for a second. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm in a co-working space, so you never know what's going to happen in here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> fried <Eggs>. egg. Whatever. <laughs> uh, but yeah, competition, man. I, you know. Yeah, definitely. I mean, part, like the first four years, every year I did a little bit better. So that was at first the motivation was like, oh, you know, as long as I'm improving every year, why why would I stop? Um, and then, uh, man, when was the first the first year where I went backwards was 2012, I think, actually 2011. I uh, had finished fourth at USBC and then uh, 2012. Um, was just a rough year. I think I, I maybe finished fourth at the regional that year, which was the lowest I'd finished at a regional in a while. Um, and then, and then, yeah, I think I finished eighth at USBC that year. I just didn't, I didn't show up really, I guess. And, and so that was a hard year for me. And then the problem is, is every time competition season comes back around, I'm like, all right, let's, let's go, let's do this. Um, and so, but that, but there's a lot more that goes into it just than, than that. I think, I mean, uh, you know, I, I don't know. It, it, it got to the point after, a few, after a number of years where, you know, I could just like the presentations and the, the ideas and the concepts, like I figured as long as I was doing it, like I would come up with something. And, and so I never, I, I don't ever feel like I struggle for like, oh man, what's my signature drink going to be? Or, you know, what's, what's my overarching theme going to be? Because, I mean, for me, too, part of the, the, the motivation behind it is like, hey, man, I got 15 minutes to get on a soapbox and I have a microphone and everybody's got to listen to me. Um, and so for me, I think, you know, regardless of the fact of how I place necessarily, if I got feedback afterwards from people who are like, man, I watched your performance and like, you know, 
that just you know was really cool or really inspiring or like something you said really resonated with me or I really related to what you were trying to say and like often more often than not it, the years that I didn't necessarily do super well it was those things that motivated me like yeah man I want to do this again regardless of how I finish um and so yeah there are there are a number of things and 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 I I don't know as a business owner like you know, and I would tell this to anybody who like is competing a lot and, and, you know, even, even placing fairly high, like, you know, there's, there's value in, you know, our company has seen marketing value in it big time. Um, and, and it's hard to necessarily quantify what that value is, but, you know, I still remember, uh, the year that, um, I finished third at USBC, I think it was 2000. 13 or 14 and I used decaf um at, at USBC and, and finished third and man we sold a ton of decaf that year <laughs> yeah um, and uh and and you know and people still talk about it like oh man nobody ever competes with decaf it's like well I can be a decaf and USBC and and so I I think there's just been lots of lots of things um and then you know I don't know man there's just something about being backstage in the competitor area and everybody's kind of stressing through the same stuff and and there's just so much camaraderie back there and so much community back there um and, and so and, and and it's just for that community aspect alone that we you know as a company like we just really encourage um our, our baristas to participate um and so that's you know usually you see you know two three four people from madcap competing every year um, cause we really try to support our staff to try it out, even if, you know, regardless of whether they, th you know, they're super competitive, uh, or whether they think they're going to do it again, just cause you know, you, I don't know. I mean, the, when I first started doing it as a business owner and I, I first competed and then I realized like, oh man, like I'm actually working behind bar better as a result of preparing for this, you know, dumb game. And so, like, kind of the value that I got from that, just about making me, you know, I became more efficient, I became quicker, I worked cleaner, like, all these things that you're trying to do to earn points inevitably are going to impact your muscle memory and all these things that you do behind the bar. Um, and so, man, yeah, I just, I find so much value in it in so many ways. I'm, I'm getting really tired of it right now at this point, but... Um, yeah, competition has just been, it's just been a really overall, a really enjoyable experience for me. When you talk about those things, like you competed with decaf and in that year you sold more decaf and the brand exposure that the competition has for your company. Mm -hmm. Where do you think that comes from? Because the USBC isn't a really heavily publicized event. So is that like a grassroots thing? Are you selling more decaf out the door to your customers in Grand Rapids, or do you see web sales spike and maybe it's coffee people or who are aware of the competition, or is it just other press? Um, yeah, I, I think it's probably it's probably a little bit of everything. Um, I mean, now more than ever, we we do a really good job of um, of promoting stuff we're doing. I think as, as a company, um, and obviously in recent years with with um, with the level of intensity uh, and legitimacy that that is covering stuff, that that's obviously helped. But I mean, it's even as simple as like, like I still remember, um, you know, uh, the morning of finals and and all the finalists are practicing that year, 
and uh, you know Charles Babinski was a finalist that year too, and and he and I were pulling shots for each other, and you know I pulled him a shot of, of the decaf. He's like, oh man, you know, like this this is really good, um, you know, and and so G and B bought a little bit of decaf from us for a little bit, and that was the first time they bought any coffee from us, and. And, you know, they've bought coffee from us ever since. They've been uh, really good partners with us um, ever since that. So I don't, it's just little, you know, and, and you guys know how it is. Like you're always sharing coffee with other competitors and stuff and at those things. And so it's just, you know, part of it's just that unique environment of, of um, you know, sharing and collaborating and things like that. And and it took us a long time for, for us to get our own, like as a company and our own customers, um, kind of into that and into what we're doing and, and kind of see any value in it. And, you know, we, we used to do viewing parties um, before we were too busy to do so, but we used to do viewing parties and, and watch the competitions in the cafe and, and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, we still do, we still do an in-house competition and, and invite people to come out and taste drinks. And, and now we make the, the you know, the signature drinks are a big part of our menu now. Um, and, uh, and, and that's another thing that's been impacted in terms of our cafe environment and stuff. Like, you know, we have a featured Friday menu. So we have barista, um, a, one barista a month that creates a signature drink menu that we only feature on Fridays. Um, and so we rotate through our staff and our staff creates drinks for that menu. Um, and, uh, usually we end up, you know, putting a, a version of my signature drink on the menu that's a little more approachable and enjoyable for customers. And, um, you know, so so all of that stuff has kind of helped, I think, with um, with just the promotion of what we're doing. And inevitably, you know, we, we have and, and, and this is another thing too, Chris, kind of to answer your question, like um, one, one of the things that I've been pretty intentional about initially because I had to and now, like, just very intentionally, it, I'm, me being kind of proud of it, like, I, I don't source special coffee to compete with. Um, like, I might bring in a coffee a little bit sooner, uh, you know, to have it for competition. But um, for me, as a business owner, it's very important to me to compete with a coffee that a customer can then turn around and go buy it from our website or go buy it from a cafe that uses our coffee or go buy it from our own cafe. Um, and so, uh, for, yeah, so for me, it's been very intentional, like, Hey, this is, this isn't roasted any different than you can grab it off our shelf. Like, you know, they're not roasting this a special way for me or anything. Like this is how we would roast it. You know, whether you're making this at home and, you know, um, in your Breville coffee maker or whether, you know, you're at G and B coffee getting it, it's roasted the same way. Um, and so for me, that's, that's been a very important thing to to convey. Like, hey, we we believe in our coffee this much, and and it's important to have that level of quality no matter what scenario it's in. I really really like that. Yep. For me, that's one of the things that I think is often missing in the competition circuit is you don't necessarily always get an accurate representation of what that person's business or day to day life is like, or you know, even what their coffee really tastes like, because everything is so hyper specialized. Like you said, it's mm -hmm. a special lot roasted a special different way that you could never actually buy. So it's really cool to see people just this is this is our coffee. We bought this coffee. You can get it in the cafe. Is right. what it grab is. It off, grab it off the shelf, man. Why would you not want to serve you know the best in your shop and at the competition? 
Right. It shouldn't be any different. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, you should be proud of that, man. That's really awesome. Um, You spoke of uh, signature seasonal drinks and... Who makes those, and do you do you find a lot of success in them? Are people are people excited like when the seasons change? You know, how many do you have, and all that? How many different seasons do you represent? Yeah, so we do um, we do four seasonal um, drink menus, and so um, yeah, we're it's yeah, so we do four seasonal signature drink menus. We so last uh, last October we started the featured Friday menu, which on Fridays every month, um, we have individual baristas that create a menu. Um, and we're, we're actually, it's getting to be a lot. So the seasonal drink menu typically contains three to four drinks. Um, and they're not all necessarily coffee drinks. Um, you know, uh, meaning that like a couple of them might be made with tea instead of coffee. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, and then there's usually, uh, three to four drinks on that featured Friday menu. Uh, we're participating in Negroni week too, which is coming up June 6th through 12th. And so we made three signature drinks. Um, there, we don't serve alcohol, but they're just coffee, two coffee and one tea drink that were inspired by the Negroni, um, and participation. That's something put on by imbibe magazine and you donate part of the proceeds from those drinks to, you know, you choose a local charity where your cafe is located and, and you donate that, um, to, to a local charity. And we, we started doing that last year, um, cause it was something I thought would be really fun and an opportunity to just kind of be creative and stuff. And so, yeah, that was, you know, we've, we've been doing, we've been doing the signature drink menu for, man, I don't know how long now, maybe five or six years. And that was kind of partly in response to like, man, we keep working our butts off to create these signature menus every, or the signature drinks for competition every year. And like they get maybe 45 minutes of, uh, of, of glory on a stage and then you never see or hear from them again, you know? So, um, so we just kind of started taking those drinks and, you know, uh, uh, adapting them to be a little more customer friendly. Um, and, uh, but you know, still, I don't know the idea. I think once, you know, when I started the company, I think, you know, Ryan and I, and I mean, we're so the, everything we were doing was so personal because, uh, we're, you know, Ryan was working so hard to source these amazing coffees and, and create these relationships with producers. And, and we're just, we're working so hard to execute everything. And then, you know, we, we didn't, we didn't want people to use cream and sugar. And, 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 you know, we, we, we opened a cafe in Michigan where people couldn't choose what size drink they want. We only had one size cup. And I mean, those things back in 2009 were like pretty wild. And, and we, we had a lot of people that weren't fans initially and and i don't know you go through phases and and i think you know people realized what we were what we were trying to accomplish and stuff and 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 appreciated it and came on board and then and then we kind of grew up and we're like hey man we don't we don't want to alienate anybody like we want we want people to come in have the best experience they've ever had regardless of what drink we provide them and then keep coming back until they, you know, ask why we, why we do things differently. And, and so we've just over the last few years really tried to hone in on how we can create this experience that draws in different people. And, and, uh, and still, no matter what it looks like is, is kind of paying respect to the ingredients being used, whether the ingredients, coffee or tea or whatever. So, um, you know, so we've just, 
you know, every drink that we do in our menu, we try to apply that same level of intentionality. And so, um, you know, the signature drinks we've just had, I mean, we've had so much fun, um, in creating them. My baristas, man, I just have like the drinks that my baristas are creating. Um, it's just like, it's mind blowing how, how creative and, and, and things they are. And it's really allowed them to kind of take ownership of the menu and stuff. And, and so, uh, you know, I've got some, uh, a side project where I'm, I'm trying to, I'm working on to try and, you know, highlight all those drinks that we've been making and, and, and find ways for people to see them again when they've liked them. And, and yeah, we've just had a, a really good response to it and, and we've made them fun is the thing, you know? So like we've had drinks with cotton candy and tea soda and, uh, you know, whimsy, uh, whimsy, very whimsical. We've had, uh, we, we had a whole menu that was like, uh, uh, the barista, was inspired by the journey of like jazz music. And so every drink on the menu was kind of inspired by different points in the history of jazz. And, uh, you know, we've just, you know, February, it was all about aphrodisiacs. So all the drinks had aphrodisiacs. In them, yeah, they did. Uh, for Valentine's. Just a little so, clam man. juice in this one. What? what? <laughs> great, promise. Dude, the Negroni, you, of course you're going to need a Negroni. That's all I think about when I think about Madcap back in, uh, 2000 i think it was 2011 we were in houston and you guys had this crew your wife and you and there's this crew of people i think sam was there um lorenzo perkins lorenzo was there yeah you guys were crushing out <laughs> some negronis and you offered me one and, and we were all drinking them through licorice rope so it was like red on red action and it was delicious and that oh, was yeah. that was one of my first like big memories because my actually was that even houston where i think my wife might have been with me and we talked with you guys for a while anyway Negronis. It's like one of my memories Negronis. of you. Negronis. And then and then with Ryan Knapp we went to uh Costa Rica. So I have a I have a lot of memories with Ryan Knapp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We don't have to bathe bathing in coffee cherries and everything else. I mean to. we definitely yeah. helped each other not fall out the window while peeing out of a bus going <laughs> sixty on a hill because the, the guy would not stop and it wasn't safe. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Keeping it real. Me and yeah. Ryan Knapp, you know? That's yeah. a real life story for everybody. <laughs> Back when you guys were winning regional competitions, you know. Just a couple of winners. Just a couple of winners. <laughs> Look at me now. I'm a has-been who's out of employment <laughs> waiting to work. Jeez. <laughs> It'll come around again. Anyway, feed our Kickstarter world. <laughs> Plugged it. Plugged, Plugged it. it. There's my plug. Come on. How what? close are you guys? Uh, we're at 19000 right okay. now. Let me give you the exact number. $19,100. We've got 15 days to go as of now. We'll probably put this out tomorrow, so we'll call it 14 days. And yeah, it's been, I mean, the support's been great. Crushing it's, it, man. It's amazing, to be completely honest with you. It's it's really hard for me, is one of my biggest weaknesses, is I don't really like asking people for stuff because yeah. it makes me feel like I'm not doing everything right myself and like, why can't I just do it alone and why am I a loser? But just to see that support is really been amazing yeah well it's a testament to you guys man and uh you know how much you've been out there and uh the impact you've had in the community and and stuff like that so props to you guys and everyone's excited to come and get some coffee from you so dude come dude, out come out i want to hang out with out. you <laughs> wait i, I want to check on a couple things so with you i heard about this and i might have it all wrong 
but okay. did you guys at one time close your store to have the windows shot out by bullets <laughs> or a movie? True or not yeah, true? That's true. Talk about that for a second. I want to hear more. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, so the first year that we opened, so yeah, 2000, I'm pretty sure it was 2009. So at the time, you know, 2008 was... Uh, was you know a very bad year for the economy and uh, Michigan was the worst state um, in terms of that and so one of the things that the state of Michigan did to encourage uh, growth was to uh, give some serious tax discounts to folks that would film movies in the state of Michigan so there was like a one or two year period where there were a handful of films you know it was pretty re- pretty common to see films being shot in in Grand Rapids. And so uh, the first year we opened, probably like six months in, man, I was approached by a, a uh, 50 Cents film company, whatever. I don't, I don't know if it's called Fitty or what. But, uh, but yeah, I got approached by them that they were filming downtown and they wanted to essentially rent our shop out for two days um, to include it in a scene in this film. And that part of that would involve getting our windows blown out because they were going to have a big car crash shootout hold up in front of the cafe. And so I did some negotiating with them and uh, and 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 agreed to do this, which I, I would never, ever do again because uh, it freaked me out. But <laughs> yeah, so so uh, for two days, they they filmed this whole scene in front of our cafe. So. It, this was a straight to DVD film, aka Ferrari F50. So Fifty Cent and uh, Bruce Willis and what? and Ryan Ryan Felipe uh, <laughs> were all in this really well done film. Um, but they did this whole scene where where these dudes in masks like uh, pull in front of this car in a van, and there's a big car accident. And they drag this dude out of a car, and he's got a briefcase handcuffed to his wrist, and um, they blow his head off there. There's a big shootout in front of, in front of our cafe, and so part of this shootout is you know somebody with a, with an AK who just shoots up the whole front of the store, um, and so they they spent a whole day removing the windows from our cafe. And then recreating the vinyl and everything on these like fake glass windows that they replaced them with that had explosives set in the glass. And then they put like, you know, all these chip racks and all this stuff where they could put like these little explosives inside essentially so that as they're shooting it up, it looks like, you know, things are things are getting shot up. And so they did all this filming for two days straight. And then the last thing they did is is do the scene where they actually like blow out the windows and everything. And they had stunt double, they had all these, you know, stunt people in the cafe and stuff. So for two days, because, um, because of the way our liability insurance was set up, I had to sit, I got to sit with the directors in this building across the street and just watch this thing being filmed for two days straight. Um, and it was like one of the most nerve wracking things ever. But so essentially like I just, I said, oh, well, our sales are this much. And so I charged them for like two days worth of sales and, and whatever, just for being a pain in the butt. But no, man, it was, we, we were picking out fake glass. They, you know, they had a cleanup crew that came in and like cleaned everything up and put our windows back in and everything. And it was, you know, almost like it never happened except we were 
pulling like little pieces of fake glass out of everything for like months. Um, and then for probably the next three or four years, and maybe still to this day, we'll have people that will come in and be like, man, was this where that 50 Cent movie was shot, man? Um, <laughs> like Carrot Top comes in and he's like, cool, cool. And they don't buy any coffee and they just turn around and leave. Uh, Tight, man. Just wanted to see it. Yeah, I just wanted yeah, to check cool, it out. Yeah, cool, man. It's, it's cool. Can uh, I get a yeah. photo out front? Is that cool? <laughs> but yeah, they left our name on the building. So yeah, if you, if you want to see the film... It's called Setup, and you can stream it on Netflix. And the 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 blowout scene happens at like the eight minute mark, so you can you can watch it to that point and then just turn it off, you know. Because <laughs> Bruce oh, Willis is B list in that one. Bruce, oh man, I didn't I didn't even like. And, and the only person I saw was was Fiddy. Like the rest of them, just their stunt doubles. They were they weren't actually there in person even. It's so. got like a bald guy to be Bruce Willis, and yeah, who's about a foot shorter than Bruce Willis actually. It was. Uh, yeah, it was it was entertaining. So yes, that was that was true. It happened. I'm, I'm looking at the cover right now. It is classic. It's set up. It's got Fiddy Willis and Felipe on the cover. It's a setup. Friends for life. Enemies forever. <laughs> so Holy hard, crap! Dude. It's so hard. <laughs> they mean the same thing. <laughs> Which one is it? You pick. Choose. 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 It's gonna oh. change your life, man. Change your dude, life. That's- I love the little trivia. I, I like that stuff. You know, I, I I don't know where I heard that from. Probably from you. Probably. I, you were like, well, I don't even know what I did, but I told him <laughs> they could do this. <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't a great idea, but, but it, was, it was a good time. It's a good story. It's a good story. So you have any big plans? Because we're, we're almost to an hour here, so we're going to close this thing out. But do you have any big old big plans for the future besides a remodel? Anything anything on Trevor Corlett's? brain that the world needs to know about oh man well uh i mean that that i can talk about we're we've, we've got uh we've got a second cafe opening this year in our new roasting facility so um that that'll hopefully happen by the fall at the latest um and uh so that that'll be fun it'll be uh we'll be switching things up yet and trying to offer a different experience and stuff and uh yeah, and we're, I mean, still, my, my long-term plan and why I'm in D.C. is to, to get a cafe up here and, and try and do some different stuff out in the East Coast. So um, so I don't I don't have a timeline yet, but it... Uh-oh. Trevor, are you there? Yeah, so, so yeah, we're, you know, I don't know. My passion is, is on the retail side, and, and so that's that's really where, where my focus is, and and trying to do some cool stuff on that front. And uh, so in the meantime, I, uh, I'll, I'll actually be in California in a week. What? Uh, Where? Yeah. Uh, I'll be in Costa Mesa for the SCA Leadership Summit. Gotcha. And then is, uh, are you going to come over to the – there's something in Anaheim coming up here in a little bit as well. Are you going to come to that? Like, Is that a coffee fest or something? Oh, yeah. Um, I think so. I think you're right. I don't know if I'll be – I'm going to be there – I have to look at my schedule. I I might connect with you guys because I'll be out there from like the second through the seventh or something like that. So um, I'm gonna I'm trying to plan you know uh, at least half a day or so to get away and stuff. So I'm, we should try to connect, dude. You should we should definitely out. do that. The crappiest thing about Santa Cruz is that it's fairly far away from that Southern California. Yeah, I'm alright with yeah. that. You know. Okay, maybe, cool. Maybe yeah, we can come. Yeah, maybe we can meet you halfway. Then eat some tacos. Yeah. 
<laughs> I, hey, you know, you guys are going to be, you guys are going to be in it. So I don't want to pull you away from, from your thing. So, you know, I can come swing it, swing a hammer for you or something. Oh, yeah. well then you're in <laughs> free labor. Got it. <laughs> yep. Dude, I do have to say, though, I do appreciate everything you guys at Madcap have done and the, just, like, the general attitude of anybody who I've ever met that's worked for you. You guys have put out some very classy human beings that have um, – I've easily just connected with. So, I mean, I always said it when we were at, when I was at Verve that there was – if there was a company that felt similar to how, like, that I could immediately connect with in the whole United States, you guys were the closest for me. So – I just got to give Thanks, you that shout man. out. It's yeah, it's, it's real. That's that's from the bottom of my heart, my corazón. <laughs> to you, you. you know, I I, I I hire good people to, uh, you know, that's that's what it's all about. You gotta surround yourself with people better than you. You know what I mean? So <laughs> feel that. That's how feel we do that. it. That's why we picked up Chuck. <laughs> you heard it from Chuck. <laughs> Chuck. Chuck oh, Diesel. Well, we're gonna wrap this thing up. All right, everybody, you've been talking and listening to Trevor Corlett from Madcap Coffee. Dude, I'm so pumped. I, I, I don't know. We talk about you like every other day, bro. Just to keep it real with you. We just talk about you all the time. Where can people find you really quickly before we go? Like if they want to check out Madcap or if they want to check out you, where, where do they find you on the interwebs? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, you can find Madcap at madcapcoffee.com. And we're on all the social medias as Madcap Coffee. Um, you can find me, my username, my personal username is T-J-O-R-L-E-T to Jorlet. Um, so long story, but it looks cool. Uh, but yeah, you, Madcap is the one you want to follow. You don't want to follow me. Um, so yeah, Madcap Coffee. And, uh, you know, if you're in DC or Grand Rapids, we do, we do free public tastings every Friday. Um, in DC so if you're hopping through the west coast and going to the White House to give Obama a shout out before he pieces out come see us we'll make you coffee share the love I like that idea you heard it here first TJ can hook you up with Obama (laughs) (laughs) and Obama best bud all right we're gonna break out here dude thank you so much for tuning in and say what's up to fitty for us and we'll talk to you soon man sounds like a deal guys good to talk to you thanks so much bye good morrow